Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. Hi everybody, good morning. Uh, my name is J.D. If I have not had the pleasure of meeting you, um, I would love to meet you after the service. Uh, we're starting a new series of talks uh, this morning. It's going to last for about five weeks. I'm super excited about it. But I want to start off our time with an encouragement for you because I think that uh, something that I really love about who we are at Antioch is that it doesn't matter if we're gathering in threes, tens, hundreds. You guys bring so much expectation and faith that it really creates an atmosphere and an environment for God to do amazing things. So I just want to say thank you and let's keep it up. And really this series is going to, in, in our hearts, strengthen that aspect of who we are as a people. Because what we want to do over these next five weeks is really dive into some of the whys of what we believe. And we're calling this series The Five Solas. The Five Solas. And basically this word solas is derived from the Latin word sola, which means alone. And there are five principles or five solas that actually were birthed out of the uh, Reformation that happened when Martin Luther in the 1500s basically was burdened with a desire for every single person to read the Bible for themselves. Before that time, people were read the Bible and therefore were learning through the interpretation of others. And Martin Luther, a priest himself, actually in his own study, became overwhelmed at the power of the love of God revealed through people personally studying the scriptures. And so he made it his mission to get a Bible in the hands of every single person, knowing that when they read the scriptures for themselves, they will find a God of love, a God of compassion, and a God who is has a plan for them and loves them, not a God who is solely just disappointed in them and is just dealing with them. And out of this amazing movement were birthed these five solas, these five things that most theologians would say really boil down to the doctrine of salvation, and this is what they are in Latin. Bear with my business majorness here. Sola scriptura, scripture alone. Then we're going to dive into sola fide, which means faith alone. Sola grata, which means grace alone. Solas Christos, which means Christ alone. And soli de gloria, which means for the glory of God alone. And this morning what I want to do is really dive into sola scriptura, scripture alone. Really understanding why the deep Anchoring truth of the supremacy of Scripture is not just something we should hope for, but something that we should bank our life in. And if you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. If you can remember back a couple of weeks ago, Chris did an amazing job of taking us into why the book of Timothy was written. For those of you guys who missed that message, I would encourage you to go through the podcast archives and try to find it because it was an amazing, amazing uh, message for us and so encouraging. 
But the book of Timothy was written by the Apostle Paul. Most of you guys would know that Paul wrote most of the New Testament. He was a church planter. He was an amazing guy, kind of the Chuck Norris for Jesus of his day. And he articulated amazing things throughout the New Testament, giving us revelation of who Jesus is and how it applies to our lives. And specifically, the book of Timothy was written to a young pastor pastoring a young church that was growing, that was moving forward. And these letters, 1st and 2nd Timothy, were written to give him direction, correction, and some warning as they were in the process of building this church. It says this in 1st Timothy 3. We're going to start in verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch? Just to say it's the city, not our church. The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everybody say amen. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know these from what you have learned and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Sola Scriptura. Scripture alone. This idea was birthed primarily out of this passage. This promise that all Scripture is God-breathed. And when we say Sola Scriptura, or the supremacy of Scripture, what we are Meaning in more detail is that the scriptures, the Bible, can be interpreted through itself. How that applies to our lives is that if you have a passage of scripture you don't understand, you can consult other passages of scripture to give you further understanding. The Bible is to be interpreted through itself. This is huge for us because it's the safety net of the totality of Scripture, the full breath of God that allows us to navigate through a time in our culture where partial truth has become the norm. People taking and exploiting a passage and creating a belief system by omitting what the rest of the Bible says to prove the point that they hope that we would all land on with them. This is not living by the supremacy of Scripture. The safety net of living under the supremacy of Scripture comes when we understand that if there is a belief that does not echo throughout Genesis to Revelation, it cannot stand underneath the scrutiny of the Bible being interpreted through itself. Therefore, believing and knowing the supremacy of Scripture and what the Bible says in our first response to things we don't understand being what does the Bible say becomes our 
safety net or security in uncertain times. Are you with me? And over these next few weeks, our heart is to unpack these truths so that we would leave strengthened in what we believe so that as we face a culture that is unsure of what it believes, we are not moved, but we can be a beacon of light to move culture. We cannot see a city changed if we do not have a foundation that's unmovable. We will be moved if we are not under the supremacy of Scripture, under the understanding that the Bible is our source of life. It is our hope. The things we like about it and the things that are harder for us are still given to us to hold us through uncertain times. The supremacy of Scripture. Solas Scriptura. You know, I have told a lot of stories over these past couple of weeks of me getting injured. So I thought I'd just stay in that vein. Are you ready for one more? When I was working on staff uh, at Antioch Waco, I worked in the college ministry. And holler at your boy. And um, just want to say, hook em horns. Um, way to go. Painful for me to say that. Because I stand here, you know, a man divided. You know, went to Baylor, felt like we were robbed. It was an interception, just saying. But I pulled for UT because I'm a hometown guy. So really, I lost no matter what yesterday. But congratulations, horns. We love you, okay? I'm one of you. Honorary doctor in my heart. The university doesn't acknowledge it, but I acknowledge it. But one thing that we would do a lot as a staff is we would play kickball. Now, here's the deal. Here's why I love kickball. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're athletic or not. If I say, hey, let's go play kickball, everybody's in. Isn't that great about kickball? I love that about kickball. Like, it, it, you can feel like you are the worst athlete in the world. And we're like, hey, let's go play kickball. You're like, I'm in. Like, it, I don't know what it is about kickball that somehow levels the playing field, but I have not met a single person that does not enjoy playing kickball. And so we had had a morning of meetings. We were like at a retreat at a lake house. We had had a full morning of meetings. And in this full morning of meetings, it kind of got to the point, have you ever had like a long day of meetings and studying where you're like, I'm going crazy right now? We're like, we just have to go outside. So we went outside and somebody said, let's play kickball. And of course, everyone responded the same way you guys did. Like, yeah, let's do it. I love kickball. And so we defied up teams. Now, what you have to understand is this. This house that we were staying at was on the lake itself. And it had this really beautiful yard, but what separated the actual lake from the grass was like a concrete sidewalk, okay? Now, of course, we were playing water is in because we're at a lake, you know? So if you drilled and hammered a, a ball and it went in the water, dude, keep running the bases, you know? Water's in, let's go for it. And so we're playing water's in, we're having a blast, and I'm playing left field, okay? Now, this dude just gets a hold of this ball and just crushes it, right? And so I'm looking at all ball. Because I'm thinking water's in, and I can kind of see it like, oh, this is perfect. Right when I'm going to get to the edge of the sidewalk, I should be able to jump and catch it in midair. It'd be like the best out that's ever happened in the history of kickball. Somehow I'm going to be on ESPN, and this is the beginning of my professional sports career. All right? All of this happens in my brain in a matter of a couple seconds as I'm seeing this ball soar over my head. Just full focus zone, watching the ball, and I'm running in a 
full sprint. Not just like a jog, I mean a full sprint. I'm going for it. Now, if you've seen me run, you know that that's actually not very fast. But it was effort, man. Like, I was giving all the effort that I had. And so I'm running as fast as I can. And I step on the sidewalk, and I did not see that this portion of the sidewalk was covered in algae. And so I'm in a full sprint, and I think that I'm getting ready to cross from grass to concrete to jump to make the best out of all times. And when I hit that patch of algae on the sidewalk, I didn't just slip. I mean, I busted, all right? My feet went over my head. You know how I know that? Because the thing that hit the concrete first was my head. I literally flew 100% sideways in the air. My head slams onto the concrete. I get knocked out and go into the water unconscious. If you think this didn't happen, ask my wife. For real, this went down. Now, rest assured, I came too, okay? I'm really here right now. This is me. So I, I hit the water. I'm unconscious. All of a sudden, I kind of come to. I'm like, feels like my head's busted open. By the grace of God, there was no blood, but I had a massive concussion. Like, it's kind of funny. We were talking about concussions in a, with a, a couple of my friends the other day. I was like, you know, to be truthful, I've had more concussions after football than I had in football. Like, I, I've had more injuries where I've been concussed as an adult than I did when I was playing sports. And this was probably my worst. I mean, the whole deal, like, slurring my speech, you know, like, I was out of it. For a couple of days. But isn't it interesting how quickly things can go dangerous and chaotic when you step on a foundation that you think is solid, but it's actually not? When you are positioning yourself to move in a direction and you step on something that is actually not what it perceives to be, things can go catastrophically wrong very, very quickly. You end up wet with a concussion, passed out in a lake. Right? I mean, when our foundation is not stable, we are opening ourselves up to sudden and catastrophic devastation. That's why this idea of Scripture alone is critical for us as followers of Jesus to understand that our faith is not just something we hold together with willpower. Our faith is held together with biblical real power. Are you with me? The foundation of the supremacy of Scripture holds us as we are in a season, as a culture, where there are algae spaces everywhere that we walk. There are opportunities to slip, to fall, and be wavered in what we believe and what we call true everywhere. As we said a few weeks ago, we are living in a day and age where normal is not normal. Things are being normalized in culture that have never been normal before. We are living in a day and age where it matters that the church knows its Bible. It matters that we know what Scripture says about who we are, who Jesus is, and what that means for our lives. If we don't, then we will slip, and it will lead to devastating, catastrophic consequences. We have to have a stable foundation. Again, 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God 
may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Did you hear that? Thoroughly equipped. Do you feel thoroughly equipped for everything you're in the middle of in life? According to the word of God, our foundation, the scripture that is God-breathed, will thoroughly equip us to navigate through uncertain times. It will hold us. The supremacy of Scripture doesn't just stabilize us and give us a sense of hope. The supremacy of Scripture also gives us divine clarity. The supremacy of Scripture doesn't just bring us stability. It is our source of clarity. This is why from the beginning of time, the devil has attacked exactly what God has said. How many times have you thought, heard, or been in an argument where someone says, well, is that really what the Bible says? That question has not been birthed within the past few years. That question was birthed in the Garden of Eden. When the devil came to deceive Eve, he deceived her by questioning what God had said. Genesis 3.1, the devil speaking here to Eve in the garden, says, did God really say? Did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? This is why we have to know our Bibles because, listen, the beginning of all deception that leads to the destruction of sin is not being clear on what God has said. Can I say that again? The beginning of all deception that leads to the destruction of sin is not being clear on what God has said. But listen to me. Although the reality is that our lack of clarity on what the Bible says leaves us vulnerable to deception, the opposite is also true. Our conviction on the supremacy of Scripture makes us unmovable in temptation. There's some more amens that should come on the back end of that statement. Let me say it one more time, give you a second opportunity here. Although the reality is that our lack of clarity on the Bible leaves us vulnerable to deception, our conviction on the supremacy of Scripture makes us unmovable in temptation. Look, here's what is beautiful, is that God has actually given us a weapon to win every fight that you find yourself in. It's not inner strength. It's not willpower. It's not just simply self-discipline. It is using the weapon of the word of God. When Paul, we talked about him a little earlier, was writing a letter to a church in Ephesus, which was a city very similar to Austin, he was writing them a letter encouraging them, warning them, and leading them as he was no longer actually there to lead them. And in this passage, in this letter, he talks about the fight that they find themselves in trying to advance the kingdom of God in their city that seems to be more obsessed with everything other than the gospel. And Paul's challenge to them comes with a truth in it 
that held that church and also will hold us. And it says this in Ephesians 6, verse 10. Some of you will remember or recognize this passage of Scripture. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power and put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. Look, I'm not even going to preach about this, but I can't drive past it. You cannot underestimate how powerful you just standing in the middle of a storm is. When you've done everything that you can to stand, stand again. Come on, that's a powerful scripture. Because sometimes we feel like we've done everything that we can to stand, and we feel like we're on the brink of being pushed over. The encouragement from the word of God is to stand again. Because when you're weak, who is strong? When you feel like you're getting ready to be pushed over, who's just getting started? We serve a God who fights for us. We need only to be still. Is anybody with me this morning? When you've done everything to stand, stand firm again. Stand again. If we will be a people that want to live under the supremacy of Scripture, we have to be those who will do everything we can to stand and then just keep Standing. Because we're not fighting a battle of flesh and blood. We're actually not fighting at the people that are screaming at us sometimes. We're not fighting at the individuals that maybe represent the morality downfall of our nation. We're not fighting against them. We're fighting against spiritual forces that we can't see. And he's getting ready to give us the tools, the weapons... To see victory regardless of what we see with our eyes because we're fighting a battle that you can't physically see. And he says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Did you hear that last part? The sword of the spirit that is the word of God. When you walk through the armor, everything is to protect us, helmet, breastplate, Belt so our pants don't fall down. Shoes. Everything is to protect us. But the word of God is a weapon for us. It's a sword. It's a sword. If, if you feel like you are fighting a fight that you don't know how to win, are you using the Bible in your fight? can ask you that question. Do you have a scripture that you are throwing at your temptation 
or are you simply just trying to will your way out of it? Do you have a foundation of the supremacy of Scripture to shape what you're hoping to change within your heart and your soul and your behavior? Or are you just trying to be a moral person? If you're just trying to be better, your better will be temporary. But if you're fighting for transformation, you have to have a weapon to defeat what's tempting you. Here's what's amazing about swords. When you have a sword in your hand, the people that are in front of you automatically get nervous. You just walk into a room like this. You don't even have to do anything. Like, hey, what's going on? And everyone around you is going to go, whoa. Right? Swords are offensive in nature. I'm not even doing anything with it. I'm just holding it. And there is an offensive stance that I have just simply because I'm armed with a sword. Now, I start swinging it around. You know what I mean? I've, people are ducking already. I, we walk into fights unarmed. Not understanding the supremacy of Scripture is basically saying, I'm going to show up to a sword fight and I'm going to leave my sword at home. We wonder why we are faced with temptations that don't feel like temptations but feel like just end result solutions. Because we don't have a sword in our hand. We don't know what the Bible says. We don't have a weapon. We're not using what God has given us to be those who defeat the enemy. We're just trying to say, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. Don't throw will at it. Throw real power. At it. You feel overwhelmed with fear. God didn't give me a spirit of fear. But he gave me a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. I'm not trying to beat my fear with distraction. I'm beating my fear with real power. The weapon that God has given me. Don't show up to a fight without the weapon that God has given you. Don't show up to take new ground in your heart without an offensive weapon. You will lose. You can't do this on your own. You, you can't get free on your own. You can't stop the urges that you have on your own. You need a weapon. And the supremacy of Scripture is our security, it's our stability, and it's our weapon to see freedom happen in our lives and through our lives because God has given us everything 
that we need to see what he's called us to and who he's called us to be happen in our lives. But sometimes we long for transformation, but we leave our weapon at home. The beautiful thing about the supremacy of Scripture is that it is an offensive weapon for us. It is how we take ground. It is how we move forward. Our conviction of the supremacy of Scripture does make us unmovable in temptation because, and I'm going to quote Martin Luther here, the Bible is the cradle wherein Christ is laid. The Bible is the cradle in which Christ is laid. This book from Genesis to Revelation is a picture of Jesus. Our pursuit in understanding the Bible is a pursuit to find Jesus in the Bible. I love what Bill Johnson says. He says that Jesus is perfect theology. When we see Jesus, we will be able to do and move in and through things that we will have no business being in because he holds us. He brings freedom. He brings life. Nothing demonstrates this more clearly than the moment where Peter steps out on the water in the book of Matthew to meet Jesus as Jesus is walking to meet them on the other side. You guys know this story? Matthew 14, Jesus sends his disciples out before him. He stays back to pray. And he sends them out on this voyage on a boat to the place that they were going to head out next. And when the disciples were in the middle of the body of water, a storm kicked up and it was terrifying. They were scared. They were all awake. And then all of a sudden, they see what they think is a ghost walking on the water. And they all freak out, and then Jesus calls to them and says, don't be scared, it's me. And then Peter, I love Peter, arrogant, big mouth Peter, was like, if it's you, tell me to come out there with you. <laughs> and Jesus says, come on. And so Peter, I mean, can you imagine this? straddles the boat, places his foot on a substance that will not support him, and he stands. And then he gets his other foot out of the boat, and he begins to walk. And he is walking in an environment that should kill him. He's walking on a surface that is not stable. He's walking on a foundation that is actually not strong because he's looking at Jesus. Listen to me. We are in a day and age in our culture where we are walking on a foundation that is not strong. We are in environments that should swallow us up. But when we're looking at Jesus, 
what should consume us becomes a foundation for us. And as long as Peter was looking at Jesus, he was moving forward in an environment he had no business being in. He was winning a fight he had no business winning. But as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus, it says in verse 29, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And he began to sink and he cried out, God, save me. Church, the supremacy of Scripture is our anchor. It holds us. It is our foundation because it is the cradle in which Christ is laid. If we keep the Bible in front of us, we will keep Jesus in front of us. And if Jesus is always in front of us, it does not matter where he's leading us, what he calls you into, the uncertainty of where you feel like you're headed because when you're looking at him, there is nothing that you can't walk over. There's nothing that you cannot walk through. But as soon as we lose sight of the supremacy of Scripture, the cradle in which Jesus is laid, as soon as we lose sight of that, we will be subjected to the reality of what we are in the middle of. If we begin to look at the wind and the waves and the uncertainty and the fear of where we are, we will be swallowed up crying out for help. Of course, Jesus is faithful to help us because he is good and he will hold you through this battle of learning and wrestling with the reality of the supremacy of scripture. Sola Scriptura, it's everything to us because it reveals Jesus to us. I love what John 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing had been made that was made. And in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. The supremacy of the word of God in front of us will keep Jesus in front of us. Because he is everywhere in the Bible. In the book of Genesis, he is the creator and the promised redeemer. In the book of Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the high priest. In Numbers, he's the water in the desert. Deuteronomy, he becomes the curse for us. Joshua, he is the commander of the army of the Lord. Judges, he delivered us from injustice. Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. First Samuel, all in one. He is the prophet, priest, and the king. Second Samuel, the king of grace and love. First Kings, a ruler greater than Solomon. Second Kings, the powerful prophet. First Chronicles, the son of David that's coming to rule. Second Chronicles, the king who reigns eternally. Ezra, priest proclaiming freedom. Nehemiah, the one who restores what is broken down. Esther, protector of his people. Job, he's the mediator between God and man. Psalms, he is our song in the morning and he and in the night. Proverbs, he's our wisdom. Ecclesiastes, he's the meaning of life. Song of Solomon, he's the author and the faithful lover. Isaiah, suffering servant. Jeremiah, the weeping Messiah. Lamentations, he assumes God's wrath for us. Ezekiel, he is the son of man. Daniel, the stranger in the fire with us. Hosea, faithful husband. When he was 
when we try to run away, Joel, he is sending his spirit to his people. Amos, he delivers justice to the oppressed. Obadiah, judge of those who do evil. Jonah, the greatest missionary. Micah, he cast our sin into the sea to forget. Nehemiah, proclaiming future world peace we cannot even imagine. Habakkuk, crushes injustice. Zephaniah, the warrior who saves. Haggai, restores our worship. Zechariah, the prophesied Messiah, pierced for us. Malachi, son of righteousness who brings healing. Matthew, the Messiah who is king. Mark, he is the Messiah who is a servant. Luke, the Messiah who is a deliverer. John, the Messiah who is God in the flesh. Acts, the spirit who dwells in his people. Romans, the righteousness of God. 1 Corinthians, the power of the love of God. 2 Corinthians, he is the down payment for what is to come. Galatians, he is our very life. Ephesians, the unity of the church. Philippians, the joy of our life. Colossians, holds the supremacy position of all things. 1 Thessalonians, our comfort in the last days. 2 Thessalonians, our returning king. 1 Timothy, savior of the worst sinners. 2 Timothy, leader of the leaders. Titus, foundations of truth. Philemon, the, me excuse me, the mediator. Hebrews, our high priest. James, he matures our faith. 1 Peter, our hope in times of suffering. 2 Peter, the one who guards us from false teaching. 1 John, source of all fellowship. 2 John, God in the flesh. 3 John, source of all truth. Jude, protects us from stumbling. In Revelation, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, he is coming again and the one who makes all things new. Come on, church. Give God praise right now. Not a little bit of praise. I want you to stand to your feet and give.